chapter eleven of recollections and letters of general robert e lee by robert e lee jr this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eleven the idol of the south photographs and autographs in demand the general's interest in young people his happy home life labors at washington college he gains financial aid for it worsley's translation of homer dedicated to him tributes from other english scholars the people of virginia and of the entire south were continually giving evidence of their intense love for general lee from all nations even from the northern states came to him marks of admiration and respect just at this time he received many applications for his photograph with autograph attached i believe there were none of the little things in life so irksome to him as having his picture taken in any way but when able to comply he could not refuse to do what was asked of him by those who were willing and anxious to do so much for him in the following letter the photographs referred to had been sent to him for his signature from a supply that my mother generally kept on hand she was often asked for them by those who very considerately desired to save my father the trouble lexington november twenty one eighteen sixty five my dear mary i have just received your letter of the seventeenth and returned the photographs with my signatures i wrote to you by the boat of yesterday morning i also sent you a packet of letters by captain wilkinson footnote commander of the canal packet end note which also ought to have reached you to-day i have nothing to add to my former letters and only write now that you may receive the photos before you leave i answered agnes's letter immediately and enclosed her several letters i was in hopes she had made up her mind to eschew weddings and stick to her papa i do not think she can help little sally besides she will not take the oath how can she get married the wedding party from this place go down to the boat to-night to lynchburg miss williamson and captain eoff they are to be married in church at eight p m and embark at eleven i wish them a pleasant passage and am glad i am not of the party the scenery along the river will no doubt be cheering and agreeable i think the repairs of the house will be completed this week should the furniture arrive it will be habitable next the weather is still beautiful which is in our favour i am glad caroline is so promising i have engaged no servant here yet nor have i found one to my liking we can get some of some kind and do better when we can i have heard nothing of the wedding at bellmead and do not think preston will go mrs cock is very well but the furniture she intends for your room is not yet completed it will be more comfortable and agreeable to you to go at once to the house on your arrival but if there is anything to make it more desirable for you to come before the house is ready you must come to the hotel if we could only get comfortable weather in december it would be better not to go into the house until it is dry the paint hard etc it will require all this week to get the wood done then it must be scoured etc and the furniture properly arranged tell rob he will soon be well he must cheer up and come and see his papa give my love to mrs cock miss mary etc etc tell agnes if she thinks sally is in extremis to go to her i do not want her to pass away but it is a great disappointment to me not to have her with me i am getting very old and infirm now and she had better come to her papa and take care of him most affectionately yours r e lee mrs m c lee 
my father was always greatly interested in the love affairs of his relatives friends and acquaintances his letters during the war show this in very many ways one would suppose that the general commanding an army in active operations could not find the time even to think of such trifles much less to write about them but he knew of very many such affairs among his officers and even his men and would on occasion refer to them before the parties themselves very much to their surprise and discomfiture bishop peterkin of west virginia who served on the staff of general pendleton tells me of the following instances in illustration of this characteristic it was in the winter of eighteen sixty three and four when we were camped near orange court house that meeting the general after i had come back from a short visit to richmond he asked after my father and then said did you see miss blank and i replied no sir i did not then again did you see miss blank and when i still replied no he added with a smile how exceedingly busy you must have been again at the cavalry review at brandy station on june eighth eighteen sixty three we had galloped all around the lines when the general took his post for the march past and all the staff in attendance grouped themselves about him there being no special orders about our positions i got pretty near the general i noticed that several times he turned and looked toward an ambulance near us filled with young girls at last after regiments and brigades had gone by the horse artillery came up the general turned and finding me near him said go and tell that young lady with the blue ribbon in her hat that such and such a battery is coming i rode up and saluted the young lady there was great surprise shown by the entire party as i was not known to any of them and when i came out with my message there was a universal shout while the general looked on with a merry twinkle in his eye it was evidently the following up on his part of some joke which he had with the young lady about an officer in this battery my mother had arranged to start for lexington on november twenty eighth via the canal but for some reason was prevented on that day in his next letter my father who was most anxious that she should make the journey before the bad weather set in expresses his disappointment at not finding her on the packet on the expected morning lexington virginia november thirty eighteen sixty five my dear mary i am much disappointed that you did not arrive on the boat last night and as you had determined when you wrote saturday the twenty-fifth to take the boat as it passed tuesday i fear you were prevented either by the indisposition of yourself or of roberts i shall however hope that it was owing to some less distressing cause our room is all ready and looks remarkably nice mrs cock in her great kindness seems to have provided everything for it that you require and you will have nothing to do but to take possession the ladies have also arranged the other rooms as far as the furniture will allow they have put down the carpets in the parlour dining-room and two chambers upstairs and have put furniture in one room they have also put up the curtains in the rooms downstairs and put a table and chairs in the dining-room we have therefore everything which is required for living as soon as the crockery etc arise from derwent of which as yet i have heard nothing neither has the furniture from baltimore arrived and the season is so far advanced that we may be deprived of that all winter but with what we have now if we can get that from derwent we shall do very well there is some report of the packets between this place and lynchburg being withdrawn from the line which renders me more uneasy about your journey up 
this is a bright and beautiful morning and there is no indication of a change of weather but the season is very uncertain and snow and ice may be upon us any day i think you had better come now the first opportunity do not take the boat which passes bremo saturday it reaches lynchburg sunday morning arriving here monday night you would in that case have to lie at the wharf at lynchburg all day sunday i have heard of agnes's arrival in richmond and shall be happy to have precious life write me again i have engaged a man for the balance of the year who professes to know everything he can at least make up fires and go on errands and attend to the yard and stable i have heard nothing of jimmy give my kind regards to all at bremo custis is well and went to the boat to meet you this morning the boat stops one and one quarter miles from town remain aboard until we come most affectionately yours r e lee p s since writing the foregoing i have received your letter of the twenty eighth i shall expect you saturday morning r e l mrs m c lee at this time the packet-boat from lynchburg to lexington via the james river and kanawha canal was the easiest way of reaching lexington from the outside world it was indeed the only way except by stage from goshen twenty-one miles distance a station of the chesapeake and ohio railroad the canal ran from lynchburg to richmond and just after the war did a large business the boats were very uncertain in their schedules and my father was therefore very particular in his directions to my mother to ensure her as far as he could a comfortable journey footnote my father was not aware when he wrote such explicit directions about the route that colonel ellis had again put his boat at my mother's service End note we did get off at last and after a very comfortable trip arrived at lexington on the morning of december second my father on traveller was there to meet us and putting us all in a carriage escorted us to our new home on arriving we found awaiting us a delicious breakfast sent by mrs nelson the wife of professor nelson the house was in good order thanks to the ladies of lexington but rather bare of furniture except my mother's room mrs cock had completely furnished them and her loving thoughtfulness had not forgotten the smallest detail mrs margaret j preston the talented and well-known poetess had drawn the designs for the furniture and a one-armed confederate soldier had made it all a handsomely carved grand piano presented by steve the famous maker of baltimore stood alone in the parlor the floors were covered with the carpets rescued from arlington much too large and folded under to suit the reduced size of the rooms some of the bedrooms were partially furnished and the dining-room had enough in it to make us very comfortable we were all very grateful and happy glad to get home the only one we had for four long years my father appeared bright and even gay he was happy in seeing us all and in knowing that my mother was comfortably established near to him he showed us over the house and pointed with evident satisfaction to the goodly array of pickles preserves and brandy peaches which our kind neighbors had placed in the storeroom indeed for days and weeks afterwards supplies came pouring in to my mother from the people in the town and country even from the poor mountaineers who anxious to do something to help general lee brought in handbags of walnuts potatoes and game such kindness delicate and considerate always as was shown to my father's family by the people both of the town and the country around 
not only then but to this day has never been surpassed in any community it was a tribute of love and sympathy from honest and tender hearts to the man who had done all that he could for them my father was much interested in all the arrangements of the house even to the least thing he would laugh merrily over the difficulties that appalled the rest of us our servants were few and unskilled but his patience and self-control never failed the silver of the family had been sent to lexington for safe-keeping early in the war when general hunter raided the valley of virginia and advanced upon lexington to remove temptation out of his way this silver in two large chests had been entrusted to the care of the old and faithful sergeant at the virginia military institute and he had buried it in some safe place known only to himself i was sent out with him to dig it up and bring it in we found it safe and sound but black with mould and damp useless for the time being so my father opened his camp chest and we used his forks spoons plates etc while his camp stool supplied the deficiency in seats he often teased my sisters about their experiments in cookery and household arts encouraging them to renewed efforts after lamentable failures when they succeeded in a dish for the table or completed any garment with their own hands he was lavish with his praise he would say you are all very helpless i don't know what you will do when i am gone and if you want to be missed by your friends be useful he at once set to work to improve all around him laid out a vegetable garden planted roses and shrubs set out fruit and yard trees made new walks and repaired the stables so that in a short time we were quite comfortable and very happy he at last had a home of his own with his wife and daughters around him and though it was not the little farm in the quiet country for which he had so longed it was very near to it and it gave rest to himself and those he loved most dearly his duties as president of washington college were far from light his time was fully occupied and his new position did not relieve him from responsibility care and anxiety he took pains to become acquainted with each student personally to be really his guide and friend their success gratified and pleased him and their failures in any degree pained and grieved him he felt that he was responsible for their well-doing and progress and he worked very hard to make them good students and useful men the grounds and buildings of the college soon began to show his care attention and good taste in all his life wherever he happened to be he immediately set to work to better his surroundings the sites selected for his headquarter camps during the war if occupied for more than a day showed his tasteful touch when superintendent at west point the improvements suggested and planned by him were going on for the three years he remained there very soon after he assumed charge of arlington the place showed in its improved condition the effects of his energetic industry the college at lexington was a splendid field for the exercise of his abilities in this line the neighboring virginia military institute soon followed the example he had set and after a year the municipal authorities of lexington were aroused to the necessity of bettering their streets and sidewalks and its inhabitants realized the need of improving and beautifying their homes he managed a very large correspondence answering every letter when possible the greater proportion with his own hand 
to the members of his own family who were away he wrote regularly and was their best correspondent on home matters telling in his charming way all the sayings and doings of the household and the neighbours my sister agnes had gone to the wedding of miss warwick direct from bremo and was in richmond when my father sent her two of the first letters he wrote after the arrival of my mother in lexington lexington virginia december five eighteen sixty five my worrying little agnes your letter of the first received to-night i have autographed the photographs and sent a gross of the latter and a lock of hair present my love to the recipients and thank them for their favours sally is going to marry a widower i think i ought to know as she refused my son and i do not wish to know his name i wonder if she knows how many children he has tell mr warwick i am sorry for him i do not know what he will do without his sweet daughter nor do i know what i will do without her either your mother has written mildred too and i presume has told you all domestic news custis is promenading the floor rob reading the papers and mildred packing her dress your mamma is up to her eyes in the news and i am crabbed as usual i miss you very much and hope this is the last wedding you will attend good-bye love to everybody your affectionate father r e lee miss agnes lee the other is dated nearly a month later and from this it appears that the wedding so often referred to is about to take place lexington virginia january third eighteen sixty six my precious little agnes i sat down to give my dear little sally for she is dear to me in the broadest highest sense of the word the benefit of jeremy taylor's opinion on hasty marriages but on reflection i fear it would be words lost for your mother says her experience has taught her that when a young woman makes up her mind to get married you might as well let her alone you must therefore just thank her for the pretty inkstand and say that i'll need no reminder of her but i do not know when i shall make up my mind to stain it with ink i was very glad to receive your letter of the twenty sixth and to think that you were mindful of us i know you do not wish to be away though you are striving to get as far away as possible when you reach norfolk you will be so convenient to new york whence steamers depart almost daily for europe let us know when you sail but i do not write to restrain your movements though you know how solitary i am without you i enclose uh, with which i gave mildred i hope will answer your purpose send me or bring me the photographs i asked for i like them of the last edition they seem to take with the little schoolgirls, and i have nothing else to give them i hope you will have a safe and pleasant trip tell mr warwick i shall sorrow with him to-night though i believe mrs lee is right remember me to all friends and believe me your devoted father r e lee miss agnes lee the latter part of january my father was sent by the board of trustees to richmond to confer with the committee on education of the virginia legislature then in session as to some funds of the state held by washington college his mission was i believe successful and great material aid was gained he remained no longer than was absolutely necessary and returning to his duties at lexington encountered a severe snowstorm the difficulties he had to overcome are described in the following letter to his daughter agnes whom he had met in richmond and who had gone from there to visit some friends in norfolk 
lexington virginia january twenty ninth eighteen sixty six my precious little agnes i have received your letter of the seventeenth transmitting the photographs for which i am very much obliged i returned the one for miss laura lippett whom i wish i could see once again it would be more agreeable to me than any photograph i had quite a successful journey up notwithstanding the storm the snow increased as we approached the mountains and night had set in before we reached staunton the next morning before sunrise in spite of the predictions of the wise ones i took passage on the single car which was attached to the locomotive and arrived at goshen about ten a m where after some little encouragement the stage-driver attached his horses to the stage and we started slowly through the mountains breaking the track on reaching the baths the north river was unfordable but i was ferried across in a skiff with all my bundles i picked up two more in staunton and one at goshen and packages and took a stage detained on the opposite bank for lexington where i arrived in good time i found all as well as usual and disappointed at not seeing you with me though i was not expected i told them how anxious you were to come with me and how you wanted to see them but that you looked so wretchedly i could not encourage you i hope you are now in norfolk and that the fish and oysters will fatten you and cure your feet but get strong and keep well and do not wear yourself out in the pursuit of pleasure i hope you will soon join us and that lexington may prove to you a happy home your mother is a great sufferer but is as quiet and uncomplaining as ever mildred is active and cheerful and custis and i as silent as our wont major campbell brown is here on a visit i am surprised to find him such a talker i am very sorry to find that preston cock has been obliged to leave on account of his health i have one comfort my dear nephew will never injure himself by studying do not be alarmed about him remember me to colonel taylor all his mother's family his wife the bakers seldens etc i know none of the latter but the doctor for whom i have always had a great esteem your mother brother and mildred send their best love and kindest wishes i am always your devoted father r e lee miss agnes lee it was at dr selden's house that my sister was visiting he had been very kind in offering assistance to my father and mother i remember well the supper given me and several of my comrades when we were coming back from the surrender and while the doctor and his family were refugees at liberty now bedford city virginia stopping there one night weary and hungry while looking for quarters for man and beast i got a note asking me and my friends to come to their house an invitation of that kind was never refused in those days we went and were treated as if we had been sons of the house the young ladies themselves waiting on us in the morning when we were about to start they filled our haversacks with rations and mrs selden taking me aside offered me a handful of gold pieces saying she had more and that she could not bear to think of my father's son being without as long as she possessed any the love and devotion shown my father by all the people of the south was deeply appreciated by him 
he longed to help them but was almost powerless i think he felt that something could be done in that direction by teaching and training their youth and i am sure this idea greatly influenced him in deciding to accept the presidency of washington college the advantages to the south of a proper education of her youth were very evident to him he strongly urged it whenever and wherever he could in a letter written at this time to the rev g w leyburn he speaks very forcibly on the subject so greatly have those interests educational been disturbed at the south and so much does its future condition depend upon the rising generation that i consider the proper education of its youth one of the most important objects now to be obtained and one from which the greatest benefits may be expected nothing will compensate us for the depression of the standard of our moral and intellectual culture and each state should take the most energetic measures to revive the schools and colleges and if possible to increase the facilities for instruction and to elevate the standard of learning again in a letter to general john b gordon written december eighteen sixty seven he says the thorough education of all classes of the people is the most efficacious means in my opinion of promoting the prosperity of the south the material interests of its citizens as well as their moral and intellectual culture depend upon its accomplishment the textbooks of our schools therefore should not only be clear systematic and scientific but they should be acceptable to parents and pupils in order to enlist the minds of all in the subjects in a letter to a friend in baltimore he is equally earnest i agree with you fully as to the importance of a more practical course of instruction in our schools and colleges which calling forth the genius and energies of our people will tend to develop the resources and promote the interests of the country in many other letters at this time and later on especially in one to professor minor who had been appointed with him upon a board by the educational society of virginia did he urge the importance of education for the present and future safety welfare and prosperity of the country among the many tokens of respect and admiration love and sympathy which my father received from all over the world there was one that touched him deeply it was a translation of homer's iliad by philip stanhope worsley fellow of corpus christi college oxford england which the talented young poet and author sent him through the general's nephew mr edward lee child of paris a special friend of mr worsley i copy the latter's letter to mr child as it shows some of the motives influencing him in the dedication of his work my dear friend you will allow me in dedicating this work to you to offer it at the same time as a poor yet not altogether unmeaning tribute of my reverence for your brave and illustrious uncle general lee he is the hero like hector in the iliad of the most glorious cause for which men can fight and some of the grandest passages in the poem come to me with yet more affecting power when i remember his lofty character and undeserved misfortunes the great names that your country has bequeathed from its four lurid years of national life as examples to mankind can never be forgotten and among these none will be more honoured while history endures by all true hearts than that of your noble relative 
i need not say more for i know you must be aware how much i feel the honour of associating my work however indirectly with one whose goodness and genius are alike so admirable accept this token of my deepest sympathy and regard and believe me ever most sincerely yours p s worsley on the fly-leaf of the volume he sent my father was written the following beautiful inscription to general lee the most stainless of living commanders and except in fortune the greatest this volume is presented with the writer's earnest sympathy and respectful admiration Oius gar epueto ilion hector iliad six four o three and just beneath by the same hand the following beautiful verses the grand old bard that never dies receive him in our english tongue i send thee but with weeping eyes the story that he sung thy troy is fallen thy dear land is marred beneath the spoiler's heel i cannot trust my trembling hand to write the things i feel ah realm of tears but let her bear this blazon to the end of time no nation rose so white and fair none fell so pure of crime the widow's moan the orphan's wail come around thee but in truth be strong eternal right though all else fail can never be made wrong an angel's heart an angel's mouth not homer's could alone for me him well the great confederate south virginia first and lee p s w his letter of thanks and the one which he wrote later when he heard of the ill health of mr worsley both of which i give here show very plainly how much he was pleased lexington virginia february tenth eighteen sixty six mr p s worsley my dear sir i have received the copy of your translation of the iliad which you so kindly presented to me its perusal has been my evening's recreation and i have never more enjoyed the beauty and grandeur of the poem than as recited by you the translation is as truthful as powerful and faithfully represents the imagery and rhythm of the bold original the undeserved compliment in prose and verse on the first leaves of the volume i received as your tribute to the merit of my countrymen who struggled for constitutional government with great respect your obedient servant r e lee lexington virginia march fourteenth eighteen sixty six my dear mr worsley in a letter just received from my nephew mr child i regret to learn that at his last accounts from you you were greatly indisposed so great is my interest in your welfare that i cannot refrain even at the risk of intruding upon your sick-room from expressing my sincere sympathy in your affliction i trust however that ere this you have recovered and are again in perfect health like many of your tastes and pursuits i fear you may confine yourself too closely to your reading less mental labour and more of the fresh air of heaven might bring to you more comfort and to your friends more enjoyment even in the way in which you now delight them should a visit to this distracted country promise you any recreation i hope i need not assure you how happy i should be to see you at lexington i can give you a quiet room and careful nursing and a horse that would delight to carry you over our beautiful mountains i hope my letter informing you of the pleasure i derived from the perusal of your translation of the iliad in which i endeavoured to express my thanks for the great compliment you paid me in its dedication has informed you of my high appreciation of the work 
wishing you every happiness in this world and praying that eternal peace may be your portion in that to come i am most truly your friend and servant r e lee that winter my father was accustomed to read aloud in the long evenings to my mother and sisters the grand old bard equally to his own and his listener's enjoyment two or three years after this professor george long of england a distinguished scholar sent my father a copy of the second edition of his thoughts of the emperor marcus aurelius the first edition of this translation was pirated by a northern publisher who dedicated the book to emerson this made long very indignant and he immediately brought out a second edition with the following prefatory note i have never dedicated a book to any man and if i dedicated this i should choose the man whose name seemed to me most worthy to be joined to that of the roman soldier and philosopher i might dedicate the book to the successful general who is now president of the united states with the hope that his integrity and justice will restore peace and happiness so far as he can to those unhappy states which have suffered so much from war and the unrelenting hostility of wicked men but as the roman poet says victrix causa deis placuit sed victa catoni and if i dedicated this little book to any man i would dedicate it to him who led the confederate armies against the powerful invader and retired from an unequal contest defeated but not dishonored to the noble virginian soldier whose talents and virtues place him by the side of the best and wisest man who sat on the throne of the imperial caesars these two nearly similar tributes came from the best cultured thought of england and the london standard speaking more for the nation at large says a country which has given birth to men like him and those who followed him may look the chivalry of europe in the face without shame for the fatherlands of sydney and bayard never produced a nobler soldier gentleman and christian than general robert e lee in a letter to his old friend mr h tutwiler of virginia professor long sent the following message to my father which however was never received by him it having been sent to my mother only after his death i did not answer general lee's letter one of thanks for the book sent by professor long through mr tutwiler because i thought that he is probably troubled with many letters if you should have occasion to write to him i beg you will present to him my most respectful regards and my hope that he will leave behind him some commentary to be placed on the same shelf with caesar's i am afraid he is too modest to do this i shall always keep a general lee's letter and will leave it to somebody who will cherish the remembrance of a great soldier and a good man if i were not detained here by circumstances i would cross the atlantic to see the first and noblest man of our days another noble english gentleman who had shown great kindness to the south and who was a warm admirer of general lee was the hon a w beersford hope he i think was at the head of a number of english gentlemen who presented this superb statue of stonewall jackson by foley to the state of virginia it now stands in the capitol square at richmond and is a treasure of which the whole commonwealth may justly be proud through mr hope my father received a handsome copy of the bible and in acknowledgment of mr hope's letter he wrote the following lexington virginia april sixteenth eighteen sixty six honourable a w beersford hope bedgebury park kent england 
sir i have received within a few days your letter of november fourteenth eighteen sixty five and had hoped that by this time it would have been followed by the copy of the holy scriptures to which you refer that i might have known the generous donors whose names you state are inscribed on its pages its failure to reach me will i fear deprive me of that pleasure and i must ask the favour of you to thank them most heartily for their kindness in providing me with a book in comparison with which all others in my eyes are of minor importance and which in all my perplexities has never failed to give me light and strength your assurance of the esteem in which i am held by a large portion of the british nation as well as by those for whom you speak is most grateful to my feelings though i am aware that i am indebted to their generous natures and not to my own merit for their good opinion i beg sir that you will accept my sincere thanks for the kind sentiments which you have expressed toward me and my unfeigned admiration of your exalted character i am with great respect your most obedient servant, R. E. Lee. End of chapter 11